0: Are you interested in cracking the customer code?
1: You've got customers, and we will help you work with them to deliver a great experience to grow your business.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters. And
1: I'm Adam Taport.
0: Join us as we learn from those business leaders who get it. And a few who don't. And together, we'll crack the customer code.
1: Welcome to episode 34 of Crack the Customer Code. Today, we're talking about the tricky
0: combination of humans and data and Raj Siva Subramanian from eBay will be joining us to talk about the slippery slope of becoming too metric centric.
1: And we've got a customer hero story about a hotel that really thought through the details.
0: First, are you mapping your customers journeys but struggling with how to derive value from your maps? Touchpoint dashboard is a powerful yet easy to use web-based journey mapping platform that was purpose-built to ensure that your journey maps meet your goals and become the catalyst for change that they were meant to be. To learn more, check out dashboard.com That's dashboard.com
1: And if you'd like to reach our listeners by being a show sponsor, you can go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor. That is crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for full details. So Jeannie, you told me that I was wrong about a <laughs> quote uh, I think we have that backwards. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so the actual quote, which I'm going to school you on is that which gets measured gets managed.
0: Yes. Which I had paraphrased as like, if we measure things, they get done.
1: <laughs> yeah. you you were something like if we measure something and a balloon falls in the forest, it gets eaten. I don't know yeah, what yours thing was.
0: That
1: <laughs> <laughs> was about what yours was. But so anyways, we were discussing this sort of very basic principle and you said you had some thoughts.
0: Well, I want to figure out if this is really true, because I think everybody throws that around a lot. Like if we measure it, things will happen. And while there's some truth to that, some of that is human nature that once you know you're being measured, that actually impacts your behavior. It's called the Hawthorne effect. So it means that just by setting up new metrics and indicators, you will improve the metrics and indicators that you're setting up. Just the mere fact of setting them up and letting people adapt a little bit. But what I am finding more and more is that we throw around terms like big data, we talk to uh, clients about analytics and metrics and dashboards and all these things, and yet I'm not sure if that's actually driving the right behavior that they want. And that's one of the things that Raj is going to come talk to us about, but I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think about this with, are we measuring too much? Are we not measuring enough? Does it have an impact? What do you think? I don't know if it's quantity.
1: It's a quantity question as much as a quality question. Mm-hmm. What are what are we measuring into what end? So right. right. I mean, because if you look at, I would actually reverse that phrase because I don't think that phrase is true. What gets measured gets managed. Mm-hmm. I would say what doesn't get managed, doesn't get measured, never gets managed. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so true. If you're, if you're not measuring it, you're it's sort of a ne- more of a negative premise. If you're not measuring it, you're not going to be able to manage it. But the problem is when you measure, you know, measure everything. You're not going to, you're trying to do everything, you're not going to get it done. Right. Mm-hmm. So the question is what's going to drive results and to what end is the measurement reflective of the results you want? And that is, here's a good example on a very macro level the quarterly earnings report for a public corporation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So that measures your financial performance in the quarter. Okay. But it doesn't measure your five year plan and can actually be, it often is detrimental to long term strategy. Yep. So that's a perfect example of the measurement, you know, sort of being against the goal, what the what's mm-hmm. in the best interest of the company, let's say it that
0: way. Or monthly sales quotas. I mean, you the last week of the, the month in any sales department and they are doing anything they can to meet those quotas <laughs> instead of necessarily looking at what's right for the customer, what's right for the organization, what's right long term, because they are incentivized to do so. And I think that's what has been happening for a long time. And now we need to look at what what is really important here and how can we measure the right things and how can we do it in a way that drives the right action and behavior instead of just, you know, having a full department of people who only create dashboards for executives. (laughs) I mean, really, they're out there doing this. And what does that really do for the organization? So I think we have to be careful. It's a very fine line between... Let's do this for, uh, you know, it's important to track things. It's important to know if you're going up and down in the, in these numbers. But if you're if that's all you're doing it for, that's not really doing anybody any good.
1: Well, you know me. I'm an, eight, I'm an 80-20 person always, mm-hmm. okay? And the thing is this. You will have, in any major organization, even medium-sized organization, you will have more data than you can use. Yes. All right.
0: You I have,
2: have more data pick. than I can use. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, you have to pick it. I mean, I'll come from franchise mm-hmm. networks. Where, you know, oh, they're measuring this, they're measuring that, they're measuring this, they're measuring that, and you were like, okay, here are the five things I want to measure. Right. That's that's the approach I always took, right? Here are the five mm-hmm. things that actually drive the business.
0: And I think that's it, what we have
1: to do. Right, exactly. And you have to know what those numbers mean, and you have to know the cost benefit of driving that one number mm-hmm. and its effect on the other numbers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what often gets lost.
0: And you have to understand that sometimes it's not that sexy. Like, short-term is sexy. Short-term is really exciting to be like, oh my gosh, look at, we went up this much in a month. We went up this much in a quarter. Our shareholders are getting this much. But if you're looking at long term, sometimes it doesn't, it's not that dramatic short term, but it's it's what wins long term. And that's a harder thing to look at. And that's a harder thing to get behind. But I I personally believe that if you can do that, that's where the magic is. Those are the organizations that are doing the right things when they're able to look long term and get over that short term excitement of end of month sales or quarterly or whatever. So I think it's, it's very interesting and you know, uh, Edward Deming was a famous statistician and his quote, in God we trust all others bring data. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think unfortunately we've, we've come so far into that realm now with big data and everything that I expect a little bit of a backlash in the next few years. My personal opinion, but well,
1: hopefully it'll be a smart backlash because the data is only a tool. It's the people right. using it that that's, are the problem.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I'm really excited because Raj has a lot to say about this topic. All
1: right. Well, let's talk to
0: Raj. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Raj Siva Subramanian from eBay. I had the pleasure of meeting Raj and hearing him speak at the CXPA Insight Exchange, which is one of the best conferences to attend, in my opinion. He tackled the tricky subject of being metric-centric versus being customer-centric. It's a topic I bet a lot of organizations aren't thinking about too much. Yeah,
1: and Raj has got a great background. Raj is a senior manager in the Global Customer Insights team at eBay Marketplaces. Over the last few years, he's been focused on enhancing eBay's existing NPS program, specifically around shifting the focus of the NPS team from just trending NPS results to delivering actionable insights that are used to improve the customer experience. Prior to eBay, Raj was a consultant advising clients on various aspects of building and sustaining voice-of-the-customer programs. So Thank
0: welcome. You. Thanks for being here.
2: Good. Thank you for having me.
0: And I really uh, did enjoy your presentation at the CXPA Inside Exchange because I thought it was fascinating how you mentioned how it's easy to slip from being truly customer-centric to being really just metric-centric. And one of the things you said that really stood out to me was about spending your time working on dashboards for others to see instead of actually improving the experience or doing anything about those dashboards. So can you describe that a little bit for us?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I think I think that the main point that I was talking about regarding customer centricity was there are three components, um, in my opinion, of being customer centric. So I, I think having robust customer metrics is, is one part of it. But then the other two important parts are Having a commitment to take action on customer feedback, um, and then also driving a, a customer focused culture, um, and, and I think all organizations that want to be customer centric need to really invest in all three of those elements um, to really be on that path towards customer centricity. Um, I think the 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 degree to which companies invest can vary by industry, by maturity of their programs, by the size of the company, but but I think all companies that want to be customer centric should focus on all three. And then the, the metric centric trap happens when companies overly focused on the metrics and, and, and don't spend enough time focusing on taking action and, and driving the culture. And and the reason that happens is pretty common. I, I, I've seen it at a lot of places when I was a consultant, but, but at eBay it's more personal because I'm, I'm, I'm living it um, or I, I have lived it. Um, it happens because metrics, I, I think of are, are what are, like simple metrics like NPS and other things are, are what have actually enabled um, CX to, to take off um, in, in the executive world and, and, and getting executive buy in um, because um, people in finance um, uh, at the executive level, they rely on metrics heavily to drive a lot of the business. And the reason why CX has taken off as a discipline is that is that we've actually now got metrics that allow us to, to measure the customer experience in a way that's simple enough um, at the executive level for, for there to be support. Um, so because of that, I, I think it's a good thing. But 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 the problem with that is that because that's what people at the C suite want to see, and, and those are the ones that that drive the the, the 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 investment in the programs. It's very easy to lose sight of the other two elements of customer centricity and focus exclusively on just trending metrics. And and what happens is. Companies will will focus their their efforts and their VOC programs on just producing uh, just trended numbers and producing corporate dashboards and, and 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 just to focus on hey here's what the metric is doing and 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 focus it to a to an executive audience focus it to to, to possibly people in finance but the people that can actually do the things to improve the customer experience they're not getting the actionable insight um, as a, what's being produced is just a series of, of, of trended dashboards that's, that's not that useful to actually improve the experience.
1: <laughs> no, it's interesting. That, that happens at so many companies, and it's just, just, it seems like there's always this drift towards the metrics. It's just easier, and for all the reasons you just said, you know, it's, it's, it's much easier to manage the numbers, but it doesn't necessarily give you the results. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it becomes a cultural thing, right? You know, You start living and dying by the numbers. Correct. So, what happens once you're there? Once a company's sort of, you know, got their tunnel vision on the numbers, how do you get them back out of it?
2: Yeah, so I, I think there's a, there's a couple different ways to do to do that, um, and, I, and it's challenging, and, and it in some ways requires a, just a cultural shift in how you think about um, your your BOC program and what what you're producing. Um, you, you can't get away from producing the, the the dashboards and just trending the numbers because again. Um, that's what executives want to see. And if you want investment in your program, you, you need to continue to do that. Uh, but, but it's important to, to set aside um, resources on, on your team and, 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 and even just budget to, f- to focus on um, doing different types of analysis ar- around the customer experience that, that, that is more actionable. Um, so some of the things that, that, that we did we did at eBay was we, we continue to produce the quarterly reports, but we, we scaled down how much emphasis we put on that so we we produced the numbers and, and produced the tracking reports, but but we shifted some of our, our resources, both with vendors and and even internally, um, to to tackling specific issues that, that that the company was focusing on and doing very focused uh, analytics projects that that provide the customer perspective on initiatives that were important to the company. So so we targeted um, just just key initiative owners and and, and said, look, we're going to bring you a new perspective, instead of just showing you an NPS score, which might not mean anything, we're going to do some analysis that, that's very specific to things that you're working on and, and show you the impact of, of, if you do this, what's the customer impact versus if you don't. Um, and, and that type of stuff was more actionable. And, 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 and having that type of insight, it, it becomes a snowball effect because one group gets that actionable insight that they can actually do something to improve the customer experience that becomes a success story, and, and, and it's easy to actually replicate that across other, or other parts of the organization. But it's important that, that, that it's not just seen as a side thing. It, it should actually become a, a focused effort of, 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 of your VOC team.
0: Well, and it sounds like you guys have been doing a lot to always just try to improve the experience for your customers at eBay. Um, can you tell us a few ways you gather the most relevant customer feedback?
2: Um, yeah. So we we um we we have a number of different mechanisms to capture customer feedback. So uh, we, one we we just run a standard um, relationship NPS survey um, that that again goes out um, once once a month to um, to customers that have um, had any type of transaction in the last three months, buying or selling. Um, again, that that that's the, the the key corporate metric that we use to to, tr- to track NPS. Uh, but then we also have a number of different, um, very specific uh, surveys about uh, parts of the experience. So a number of different touchpoint surveys that, that allow us to specifically ask customers uh, about um, individual experiences they have. So, so for example, um, if there, there's a touchpoint survey about the, about the checkout process. There, there, there's another one about um, specifically the, for buyers when they receive the item. Um, for sellers, we have a specific survey to them about the listing experience. Um, getting that feedback uh, is actually oftentimes just more tangible and actionable because it's about specific parts of the experience. It's important for us to have the the broader relationship uh, survey as well just to to understand the the broader perception of the brand, but having that specific feedback at focused touch points helps.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then I think the other thing I mentioned during the presentation was we run a uh, a Kano survey w- w- once a year, which is our um, one of our most powerful tools. Which which is a survey where we uh, ask people about specific things that we're thinking about doing. Um, and then again, we f- we we partner closely with uh with uh, with our product teams on this to, to to ask customers, okay, if 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 we did this, how would you feel about it? And then we also ask, how would you feel if, if we didn't do it? And there's a methodology there that allows us to to weight certain things. And, and, and a lot of the new product features we rolled out in the last couple of years have been informed by, by by the feedback we get from that survey.
0: And then are you the one responsible for bringing those insights back to the teams who can create uh, the actual changes that need to be yeah. done for those transactions?
2: Yeah, yeah we are. Oh, so, good. Um, so, that's, so that's part of the process. So as we get that that feedback back, um, we, we deliver that to the, to the respective teams and, and, and work with them on, on seeing what they can do to, to implement some of that stuff.
1: So, you know, you're talking about the different uh, points in the process you're looking at. Do you have trouble in getting good feedback that's not sort of cross-contaminated? Sort of like the old, you know, when somebody's reviewing something and it's not eBay, it's the buyer, the seller. Do you you have trouble with sort of cross-contamination of opinions? It's the old Amazon review thing. They complain about the delivery and give the product one star.
2: Yeah, yeah, that that that's that's a great question, and and that actually is um an issue that we that that we do deal with 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 some of these specific surveys because when um we want to know about a certain part of the experience, but then you give a you give a customer a forum to to just respond to eBay, and, and we oftentimes see that that a lot of the responses in, in, in certain surveys aren't really related to what we're asking about. Um, so that is that is an issue, and and and, and it's important that we um I I think that's actually. It ties back to the, the whole metric centricity and why the the feedback is actually more important than than trending the score. Um, because we it's important to review all the open-end feedback that we get. And, and by doing that, we're actually able to to tease out elements that, that might not be related to, to to the specific survey. But when when the focus is on the metrics, so for example, if we have a if we have a touch point survey. We, this is the example we've had is we had a touchpoint survey about the, about the search experience. And for that survey, we, we, we found when we got the results back, roughly 25 to 30% of the feedback was was not related to search. It was other issues. Mm. Um, the survey was still useful because we, we got a lot of good feedback that they give to the search team about how they could improve the experience. Um, but, but, but it was important that, that the, the feedback was more important than the score, because the score might not truly be indicative of how someone feels about search. Because again, if 25, 30% of the responses are about something else, that's where focusing on the score doesn't really help you. But, but looking at the responses actually gives you more, uh, more more useful feedback. Hmm.
0: That's an interesting challenge, but let's have a little fun at the end here.
1: So tell us Raj, what is the craziest thing you've ever seen posted on eBay?
2: It's the craziest thing I've ever seen posted on eBay. Um, there's a uh, so, so actually, there there is somebody posted I think this is in the UK um, one of my colleagues has sent it to me um, they had it, I think it was a disgruntled husband who was like I guess upset with his wife and 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 they had some kids and then he I think he posted his um, stroller um, for like a like an, an old beaten down stroller uh, that and I think he posted for some for some crazy price, but but um, in, in the listing, he had, he had actually just spent the time just kind of bashing his wife and talking about oh, how, no. how, his, how his life had been ruined, and then, and then oh. and then he posted the stroller for like like five thousand dollars just just to like because it, it was seen as a relic of 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 of, of his life and how it had ended and, and that type of thing. Oh,
0: that's so sad. So was much. It
2: wasn't it is kind of sad. It wasn't so much the the posting, but but the, what he. Like he wrote like a novel in the listing and, and, and got a lot of, uh, it, it was circulated a lot, I think throughout the UK and then, and then even within eBay. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, you're,
0: you're part of his therapy, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Well, we all are. We all are. Yeah. Um, that's probably not the craziest thing that I, but that's probably the, the, the one that I can think of. Up the, up top of my head right. <laughs> it's a pretty good one. Yeah.
0: There are some crazy things, uh, and what do you think are some of the most uh, popular items that are sold on eBay?
2: Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I think um, electronics is, is is big for us. So I mean, I, I think um, especially with, with 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 phones and and, and, and um, a lot of people um, buy and sell um, phones, especially with with new iPhones coming out. I mean, we we we, we um, have a lot of uh, a lot of activity. Um, with electronics, um, fashion is actually an area too, that, that's, that we're seeing, um, a, a lot of, uh, um, activity in, in as well with, with, with clothing. And, 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 um, I think for me, even I, I the point I brought up in my presentation is I, I have a two year old daughter and then it's been, it's been useful for me to be able to, to sell, um, like shoes and stuff that, that, that she doesn't fit anymore. And there's a lot of, um, a lot of activity, uh, there as well, um, I think I think those are those are um, two of the the, mo- the most common areas where where we see a lot of uh, a lot of activity um, and I think another area is, is just automotive parts is a, is also a huge area where where you wouldn't think it uh, most people don't realize it but but um, within uh, within eBay we have an eBay Motors division which is which is pretty big and there's a lot of activity in selling selling automotive parts on eBay as well.
1: That's cool. That is fascinating. Well, thank you so much, Rod. It's been great having you, and I can tell you I'm an eBay customer, and it's you have just been, it's an innovative company. And it's really great seeing behind the scenes sort of what's going on. Tell us, where can folks find you on the internet?
2: Um, so, I, I probably the best place to find me is, is just I, they can probably reach me um, via LinkedIn um, using just, you can probably do a search by name and find me. Um, I'm not, I, I I don't have a blog or anything. I'm not, I'm probably not as active um, as, as you guys are in, in, in <laughs> In, in that in, in that space, but but uh, but I think if pe- feel my, my my contact information is on my LinkedIn profile, so if people want to reach out to me, they they can certainly do so.
0: Great, and we'll put those in the show notes as well. So,
2: okay.
0: well, thank you so much, Raj. We really appreciate the inside look, and uh, keep up the good fight for customer centric versus metric centric. Yeah. <laughs> we all yeah. appreciate it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no problem. Thanks. All right, thanks so much, thanks. Raj. Bye, bye. Jeannie. Yes, Adam. Guess what time it is. Think I know it is time for Customer Hero, Customer Zero,
0: <laughs> and I know once
1: again you have a topic for us.
0: Well, Adam, have you ever thought about what it's like to be a woman on a business trip? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: I plead the Fifth Amendment on the grounds that I may incriminate myself.
0: <laughs> so I am really psyched about something in Chicago. It's Virgin's flagship hotel. And what I love about what they've done with this hotel is they really thought about the experience of travelers today, specifically uh, women business travelers, because essentially most hotels are the same. Even if they have the fancy lobbies with the bartenders and the hip music, the rooms are pretty much the same in many ways. And they were kind of all building on the same idea of experience. And what I love about what Virgin did was instead of starting there, they started with the reality of today and what people need and what was missing from a traditional hotel. So the hero is the Virgin Hotel in Chicago, Illinois.
1: So what was missing? Because as I have not put a lot of thought into being (laughs) a woman traveling, uh, I would Mm -hmm. love to hear the woman's perspective. This is (laughs) After many years of marriage, I've gotten very good at doing this. So, so Jenny, how do you feel?
0: Well, it's <laughs> and some of this is not just for women. I should point out they do a lot of things that thought about. You know, when you're in a hotel, a lot of times you kind of hang out on the bed. Like you, ha- you sit on the bed. You watch TV. You work. If you have people, they sit on the bed with you, and so they created like a little jump seat that comes out of the corner of the bed so that it can be a flexible uh, seating arrangement. They did things like their tables, their desks um, can be kind of swung around with the different chairs so that they can become more of a cafe table instead of just a desk. So things like that, they really thought about the entire experience. But the touches for women, uh, one of them, which I I mean, it cracked me up, but I I totally get it. They put a bench in every shower so you can shave your legs easier because some of the showers in hotels, I mean, you have to be a contortionist. (laughs) They're narrow. There's nowhere to put anything. It's horrible. And so they thought about little moments like that, that women have been frustrated by when they travel and they put things in there. The hallways are extremely well lit. And they did that because people have reported feeling a little unsafe. If you've got a long hallway to go down and it's not well lit, they uh, put in a seated vanity area with great lighting. Um, And they also have real, Hair dryers that they described as having decent wattage, (laughs) which any woman can say thank you. Because if you've ever been stuck with a hair dryer that, you know, basically is a toy, (laughs) it does not work. And it's virgin, so it's a decent wattage. It's a decent wattage, exactly. So they really thought about the experience as it is today instead of just building on something that we all know as the hotel experience. And that's what I love about it because if you look at even even companies that are building from the ground up, oftentimes they're just building on the experience that they already know. And that could be outdated or not applicable anymore. And Virgin took that one step further and really really thought about it. So, do they, I, do I they allow, that, allow men? Of course they allow men. Of course. And you'll like this. Yes. Many of their rooms are pet friendly. And the way they uh Let guests know that they have a ceramic dog kind of sitting outside the door, and they want people to feel like they're coming home, like they're it's it's a cul-de-sac, and uh, they let people know that that's a pet-friendly room, and that's one of the ways they identify it.
1: Oh, that is so you can bring
0: your chief happiness officer, Dalton.
1: Dalton, he is the chief happiness officer.
0: (laughs) So I I can't wait to see more of these, and I can't wait to see others follow suit because I think they're doing a lot of things right. Really, really cool. Cool,
1: yeah, and I like the pictures, and we'll definitely put that in the show notes so people can sort of check out the rooms and yep. what they're doing. All right, good well, good stuff. I'll put some more thought into what it's like to travel as a woman.
0: <laughs> and but, how to shave your legs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never, I may be doing the Tour de France. You never know. <laughs> but in the meantime, thanks for listening to Episode 32 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam DePorek, and my website is CustomersThatStick.com.
0: I'm Jeannie Walters, and I'd love to see you over at 360Connects.com. All of our episodes and show notes are available at crackthecustomercode.com.
1: And please subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, leave a review on iTunes so others can find our show.
0: And please share what you love with others. We love word of mouth. Until next time, take care of yourself.
1: And take care of your customers.